Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Um, 
Also link to the various conversations, our past discussion, by visiting us online again. That's www.m-tas.org. Again, that's www.m-tas.org. We're also looking for bloggers to actually provide us with various articles that you might find interesting. And uh, we we all know that each and every last one of us have a voice uh, within us. And um, sometimes you have ideas. Uh, political ideas, um, ideas pertaining to economics, religion, that uh, most folks will find interesting. So we want to give you an opportunity to share that with the MTAS family and give you an opportunity to have your voice and your ideas um, um, seen and shared with our listening audience. So certainly visit visit us online and um, provide us with um, your name and your contact information, and we'll see if, in fact, um, some of the things that concerns you and some of the things that you're currently blogging about actually fit our platform and things of that nature. So certainly um, keep that in mind as you uh, continue to join us on these thought-provoking conversations. Again, it's about each and every last one of us contributing to um, um, the community, contributing to our efforts of self-enrichment, self-empowerment, and also cultural and financial literacy. So today is a very interesting day. We're going to deal with... um, We're going to take our final lap and have our final discussion of our quarterly book read of Outwitting the Devil, Napoleon Hill, The Secrets to Freedom and Success. I see our guests are uh, joining us uh, online right now as I speak, so we're going to bring them on shortly. But again, I want to remind you that today's conversation will deal with Outwitting the Devil, our quarterly book uh, our quarterly book review. And tune in next week as well as we announce um, our next book discussion. Uh, we're going to be um, thinking about what our next discussion will um, be, and we'll we'll give you an opportunity to weigh in on that. Some of the things that you've been reading, some of the things you've probably read in the past that you think might fit our platform, and that um, is useful information for us to add to our repertoire, so to speak. So, um, again, today we'll deal with the final couple of ca- chapters of Outwitting the Devil. Last time we had this discussion last month, we dealt with chapters four, actually chapters five through eight, and to not five through seven. Yes, 5 through 7. And today we're going to deal with chapters number 8 through 12, Definite of Purpose, Education and Religion, Self-Discipline, Learning from Adversity, Environment, Time, Harmony, and Caution. So it should be a very interesting conversation. I believe two of our guests have joined us already, uh, Mr. Um, Akbar Beya has joined the conversation, it looks like, and also I believe Shalanda Sloan has also joined us, um, if I'm not mistaken. Akbar, are you with us on the line today? Oh, yes, I am. Oh, okay. Well, great. Great to have you on the line, and I'm certainly looking forward to a, a great discussion. I believe I also saw Shalanda join the conversation as well. Shalanda, are you out there with us? Yes, sir, I am. Thank you, John. 
Okay, certainly look forward to um, hearing from you folks today. Um, I must say that um, the last two discussions have been uh, very thought-provoking, very enriching. I've had the opportunity to actually go back and um, actually review those past discussions at least, you know, a couple of times. Kind of helped me get my day going, helped me get my mind right, and keep my mind on the right track. So I certainly want to um, take out this time to acknowledge that both of you. I've been, uh, and, and you know, again, I've been enriched by some some of your thoughts and some of your opinions, and um, certainly has kept me moving forward. So I certainly appreciate um, what both you and Akbar has had to add to um, this uh, these discussions over the past couple of months. And hopefully you guys have been um, enriched by your reading as well. Has it been an interesting read for you, Solanda? Oh, definitely, definitely. Okay, okay, okay. Has it been uh, has it been enriching for you, Akbar? You've had a lot to share. I'm pretty sure it's been enriching for you as well, given this is your second time reading this particular book, huh? Oh yes, yes, it has. It has helped a lot. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. I'm waiting on a couple of other um, guests to join us, but I don't want to um, keep us uh, waiting here uh, because we have a lot to. Cover so I want to get right off into the conversation again. We're going to try to do the best we can to make it through these um, actually um, chapters eight through chapter twelve. So we'll do the best we can. So I want to start off with you, Solanda, um, and we're going to start in chapter number eight of Outwitting the Devil: The Secrets to Freedom and Success. Uh, in chapter number eight, the question was asked by um, Napoleon Hill: Am I to understand from your remarks? that you have gained control of people while they are young and lose your opportunity at them after they've reached um, their adult years. And here's the answer that was given. I prefer to claim them before they come into possession of their own mind. Once any person learns the power of his own thoughts, he becomes positive and difficult to subdue. As a matter of fact, I cannot control any human being who discovers and uses the principle of definiteness. Solanda, based on what was said and your reading of this chapter, what understanding did you come to in regards to having a definite purpose and pursuit? And how can one benefit by practicing this principle of being definite? Well, first of all, when you think of uh, as Napoleon uh, was saying about uh, definite or defiantness, um, you know, we're talking about being uh, having a uh, purpose in mind, being purpose-driven, goal-driven, you know, uh, being a goal-seeker. You know, some people, they thrive off achievement. And so uh, to first start off in terms of how the devil says that, you know, he likes a fresh mind, you know, when it's young because that's the time when, you know, like with children, they're sponges and, and they absorb so much information. And so it's important even as a parent to make sure that, you know, you're putting the right things into your kids early on so that they, you know, uh, know right from wrong or, you know, or what we consider to be right from wrong. Those are the things that they learn. They mimic us. They imitate us. That's how children learn. They imitate anyone around them, their mothers, fathers, even their teachers, their siblings. And so uh, when they become a little older and as he gets into detail about becoming conscious, meaning now you have an understanding of what you're doing because when you're younger, you really don't understand. You know, you just see other people do it and, you know, uh, and, and you mimic that. So you don't know if it's right or wrong unless someone tells you. 
But when you become of age or you have that maturity, then that's when things start to click or the light bulb comes on and, you know, you start to know yourself. And therefore, knowing yourself, you start to realize that, okay, wait a minute, um, should I partake in certain things or should I not, you know, and and so you, you get to that age where you understand your the, the results of your actions. And so it's important to make sure that, you know, when a child is young, that you are feeding them, um, you know, the right things, you know, the right tools of knowledge as, as a parent, depending on what, you, what your definition of good is. And, and because a lot of kids, unfortunately, are not uh, equipped early on, and that's why they end up, you know, leading such rough lives or they go down the wrong path because when they were younger, all they got a chance to see was negativity or they, they were surrounded, their environment only contained chaos. And so and that's all they knew. And the older they got, uh, all they knew was how to survive. And so they're always in survival mode. They, they, they really don't know how to make good decisions because they're always thinking about how I'm going to make my next move. And so when you – it's important – when you, uh, even as young kids or even teenagers, to teach them about their purpose in life because that's when, you know, they start getting on the path. You know, while they are watching us and mimicking us, and keep in mind they mimic everything they see. They, they mimic the drug dealers. They mimic the celebrities on TV. They mimic the people on the reality shows because what they see they think is right because why everybody is doing it. So these are the things that is being fed into them. And so now, when you know, when they're of, eight, of a certain age, it's very important to make sure that you separate fact from, you know, fiction. And, and understanding fact, fact is knowing your purpose uh, and, and, and having goals set to, to learn how to achieve those goals that you have uh, put forth. And once uh, especially kids at a young age, even if it's just giving them little responsibilities and, and little chores and, and teaching them responsibility and teaching them how to set goals at an early age, which I, even as a parent, I'm a victim of this not really doing, um, excelling in that area. But the goal is to make sure that you try to do the best you can in teaching kids as early as possible so that they're able to learn certain things so that when they become an adult, they are equipped better and understand that, you know, my life, I have a purpose. I have to learn to set goals. I have to make sure that I follow through on those goals. I have to make sure that I'm a person of my word, you know, and and, and once they really define, you know, who they are and, and they know that they are equipped with the right tools, then there's nothing that would not lead them to the road to success. I follow. I follow. Great points. Um, Akbar, what did you gather from this chattel, um, chapter about definiteness of purpose? Uh, what, is your, what understanding did you come to about the importance of having a definite purpose, aim, and pursuit? And how could one benefit by practicing this principle? Well, first of all, it, uh, um, as Napoleon Hill has, has stressed in his book, that the... Uh, 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 the devil that that, that he's uh, speaking to here, which please understand that there is no real devil. This is uh, 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 I'm totally of the belief that this, this is Napoleon Hill working in his own mind to uh, 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 to gain knowledge and and, and wisdom. But uh, um, the, you know uh, the devil responds to him and stating that you know uh, without a purpose. 
it's easier for him to influence, you know. And so basically everyone should have some kind of purpose or uh, 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 which I think uh, we all do have purpose, we just we may not know it. And this is a problem of how can I teach a child to uh, uh, find their purpose. If I haven't found mine, hmm. uh, how can I even gear a child to think right when I don't think right? See, I can remember saying, you know, in my curiosity as a kid and wanting to know things and always examining and tearing things apart just to find out what makes it work, uh, I was told curiosity kills the cat. Other words, uh, somebody was trying to strike fear in me, and this is what happened to kids most of the time. The fear gets uh, uh, putting them when they're trying to express their creativity and their ability to think for themselves. The do's and the don'ts, the leave that alone, and this is wrong, this is right. We don't know everything that's right or wrong. We're learning just like the child is learning, you know. So instead of being curious with the child to find out why is he interested in that or, or he or she is interested in that, to help them to grow and to grow their minds and to learn to think for themselves. See, this is one of the things I can't remember being taught is how to think for myself. See, and in order, you don't have to worry about me finding my purpose. Once I learn how to think for myself, I'm going to find out what I like. Okay. You know, so nobody has to give me a purpose. I'll find out what's in me, you know, if that's uh, uh, encouraged, if that's brought out, if that has helped to develop within me. You see, if you plant a tree on a slant, that's how that tree is going to grow, on a slant, you know. So you have to plant it straight up in order for it to go, grow straight up. And that's the same thing with a child. It, uh, and, and, and basically, without the proper nourishment as a child, a child grows up on a slant, grows up uh, having to just define how to stand up straight or how to think, you know. So my thing is that uh, uh, your purpose will be made known to you once you learn how to think, and that in itself helps you as an individual to ward off any of the uh, temptations uh, 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 that may uh, come your way, you know. Mm. Kind of interesting to hear you say that, Akbar. I'm listening to you, and it kind of reminds me of the saying that says, train up a child, and when it gets old, it won't depart. And um, it's kind of interesting to hear um, what, what what you just mentioned and the part of what I gather from reading this, um, this particular book are the correct principles by which we should personally know ourselves and what we should pass on to others. Um, that's a lot to kind of mention in terms of what we should be passing on to our children. So interesting stuff. I appreciate you saying that. Um, Shalanda, in this same chapter of definiteness of purpose, the question was asked on page 154, is is love for one's relatives also dangerous? And here's the answer that the devil gave. 
the love for anything or anyone save only the love of definiteness, of purpose, may become dangerous. Love is a state of mind which beclouds reason, saps willpower, and blinds one to facts and truth. What are your thoughts about this description of love? Is the devil attempting to make us drift and go astray with this definition? <laughs> Actually, uh, um, I, I'm in total agreement because um, when it's funny that you uh, mentioned this because I actually came across um, uh, a couple quotes and um, they said, uh, this is by a Mother Teresa, she says, the, lo- the hunger for love is much more difficult to remove than the hunger for bread. Mm. And, and and so when you, you know, love is a very powerful emotion. Um, and, and pretty much what the devil here is saying is that, you know, any time someone loves something, uh, they are willing to do whatever it takes to get it. That emotion clouds thought and anything else. I mean, you know, people are driven, you know, let's say, take, for example, for the love of money. You know, scripturally speaking, you know, they said the, the Bible says the love of money is, uh, for the love of money is the root of all evil. So anytime, you know, you take a purpose or, or, or you're driven and you attach an emotion such as love with that, it can work for a, a good good purpose, you know, you may be doing community work, charities, you may be helping people, you know, it's a great thing, but once it comes uh, corrupted in a sense, you know, whereas let's say somebody who, um, you know, starts to do wrong in, in terms of finances, you know, and their intentions may be good, but because they love a certain image or they love a certain thing, they'll, you know, their, their pursuit changes. And so, as the devil and Napoleon is actually having this conversation, he actually says, wait a minute, first of all, what you got to understand is you have to have a grip on your emotions. You know, you have to have control. That's why the mind is so powerful because if you learn how to control your emotions, then you pretty much know how to do any and everything. And Napoleon says, so pretty much you have to become hard in a sense. And the devil says, if that's the way how you want to describe it, yes. You have to learn how to control your emotions. You know, you have to learn how to stop doing things when when necessary. If your actions behind something, if you're driven to do something and and you have uh, a certain love for it and a passion for it, you know, not saying that down the road that passion or that love can change. You know, I hate to bring up uh, Jesse Jackson Jr., but, I, I think he's a, a very good example. Here you had a young man who had a love for community, who had a love for, take, you know, uh, for trying to do the right things with the people in the community or his ward, um, trying to make changes in, in Congress, you know, through certain laws. As you heard, he had a perfect, um, his votes, you know, he always voted. He had a perfect record. But somewhere down the line, you know, he allowed himself to get clouded for the love of money. And that was to be to a, a desire to acquire certain things, whereas his current funding or the money that he had coming in, you know, may not have allowed him to, you know, support the lifestyle that he so cherished because his desire was to want more, to want more of something. So 
And instead, now he has access to campaign funds, and I don't know all the details, but now all of a sudden you start doing things that you never did want to do because maybe in the back of your head you wouldn't get caught or you're able to replace these funds. But now you see where the traps, which is these little traps that, you know, the devil talks about, these influences that, you know, uh, changes your drive. So not to say that his intention to do good wasn't there, but the love of what he was seeking actually changed, and therefore he lost control. He was no longer hard in terms of controlling his emotions because he actually now let his emotion get the best of him because now he wants the money. He wants the finer things, you know. Now it affects his relationships. Keep in mind that love is so powerful that it actually affects any and everything in your being. It affects your health. It affects your finances. It affects your relationships with your spouse or your significant others. It affects your relationship with your children. And now as you see what transpired, the love of money, unfortunately, due to poor decision-making and because his uh, goals or his intent changed, now unfortunately that led him to have to face, you know, to go to prison. So, you know, my heart goes out to him and his family, but for for me, I looked at, when I actually was reading this, I thought of him because this is like the perfect example that shows you how good your intentions are, controlling your emotions. However, you can be hard in the beginning. You can have good intentions in the beginning, but once you start going down that path and those influences start to, you know, pop up, then sometimes those are the game changers in terms of what your intentions are and your goals change. You know, I so follow. I just thought that, you know, I would bring that out. Nah, great point, great point. Akbar, do you have a different interpretation of um, the devil's um, answer to the question, is love for uh, one relative um, dangerous? Do you have a different interpretation of that? Because I, I thought his description was um, quite enlightening to say that it's a state of mind which beclouds reason and saps willpower and blinds one to facts and, facts and truth. What's your understanding of that, Akbar? Do you have a different interpretation from Shalanda, or is yours pretty similar? Well, it's uh, uh, pretty similar. You know, I don't necessarily agree with a take with uh, Jesse Jackson Jr., but it's uh, 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 idea of uh, uh, of love was pretty much on point. Um, I've heard it said. Uh, expressed by some of my family members and some of uh, 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 on pulpits and other places, you know, first God, family, then yourself. And I never took that. I never took that. Okay. Uh, and if 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 uh, uh, and the reason I couldn't take that, what I've seen people with families do to each other. Ain't no way in, in, in God's good earth I'm going to put my family before myself because I can take care of myself better than they can take care of me, and I can do better by them than they probably could do by me. Now, that may sound selfish, but guess what? This is exactly what the devil is saying here. You have to be hard on certain things because the softness of them, you understand, will destroy you and the so-called person or personal thing that you call yourself loving. See, so I was very leery of that from the very beginning, you know. And and I've I've always been of the man. How can you love God and you don't love yourself? 
who you think God is in the first place. You know, so it's it, 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 it's a lot of misinformation out there that uh, uh, the uh, 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 people that desire to rule and control will have you believe that I'm chosen. This is God's word that I'm giving you. You should love God. You understand? In other words, love me and, and, and do what I tell you to do. And guess what? I guarantee you're going to be wrong by that person because you got your love, you understand, in the wrong place. And, he said, and one of the other things that uh, your majesty said concerning the love, that the love should be definitely checked by, will, by the will and reason. And if a person don't know how to think, how can they use will and reason correctly? They can't. And therefore, they'll continue to make mistakes in the name of love. I follow. I follow. Uh, and John, just to backtrack real quick, one of the things that um, I found very profound is that uh, on page 154, when he says love and fear combined, give me the most effective weapons with which I induce people to drift. You know, yes. and, and, yes. and so when you, you know, when we talk about, you know, a state of mind, fear is a state of mind, but keep in mind these are emotions, you know, and any and with these emotions, you know, the way how, the way how we respond to certain things, we sometimes it, we base it off emotion more so than, you know, analytical thinking or, or reasoning. You know, and so, uh, you know, like uh, some of the examples that he actually gave, which, you know, from the way how I was brought up, because keep in mind that the way how we define love and the way how we define fear and certain things, keep in mind these were instilled in us as a child. And especially, uh, I can only speak for myself, because I was raised, you know, in, in, in a holiness church. You know, you understand early on, you know, about the love of God and the fear of the devil, you know, and these pictures are painted, you know, at a very early age, you know, whereas you fear the devil, you know, he is this, you know, the fire brimstone, you know, you you, you fear hell, you know, and, and you love God. However, you're taught that, you know, God also is uh, will pour his back on you if you do wrong. You know, so these are things as a child that's in Stealing you so that when you become older, you know, you, you, you the pictures that are painted in your head, and keep in mind these pictures that are in your head are, you know, your emotions play a role in this. So that when you get ready to do wrong or something, the first thing that may pop in your head is, oh, wow, I fear God, I won't do this. Or, you know, oh, this was the devil, you know, oh, I'm afraid of the devil, you know, because as a child, you know, uh, these things are instilled in, in you know, in us. So that yeah, we well, that's that training older, again. That's that training yeah, you know, again. So, so training so goes both much, ways. <laughs> right. And, and see, when you talk, when you said uh, about training up a child in the way he should go, well, the thing is, who is training up that child? And which way will he go? <laughs> because that scripture is universal. It, 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 when you train up a child, how will, how were those parents raised or that caretaker what was their reason behind certain things? You know, what was instilled in them as a child? Who did they mimic or imitate when they were younger, you know, and, and the older they got, how they were as a person? Because now, fast forward, keep in mind that, you know, whoever is raising these kids or even us as parents, 
the how powerful or, or the responsibility that we have in terms of what we enrich or partake in those kids in our children's lives. You know, so that scripture is very powerful because, you know, if you're training up a child the wrong way, then which way do you expect him to go? If you're putting negativity into a child's life at an early age and exposing him to all types of pornography and violence and certain things, then which way do you think he's going to go? Yeah, you know, a child or an adult for that matter because right. um, the mind is um, the mind is one and the same. So a lot of times we shift our we tend to shift our attention on um um the younger mind, but the adult mind is no different other than time and experience, but it still kinda work the same. So great point. I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Um guys we have roughly about thirty minutes left in the conversation. I wanna um uh, move on to chapter number nine. Akba, I wanna bring you back in here. Given the importance of marriage and family and what many religious texts teach about one's duty to marriage and serving others. Did you find this concept of one's first duty being to um, ourselves and not being forced to remain in a relationship where harmony does not exist hard to accept? I found it kind of interesting to hear um, that dialogue take place of about uh, one should not be forced to remain in a in harmony. Harm- in harmonious situation just because of the marriage covenant or religion um, say that you should do so. What was your take on that? Did you you recall reading that? Yes, and again, I, 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 I've already uh, stated that. First of all, it would, again, with love. If you don't love yourself, how are you going to love someone else? And what kind of love would you be showing to yourself to stay in a harmful relationship just because this is your wife? That you know that that's that's not so. That's life is based upon growth and change. You are not going to grow in a relationship, okay, as a person, spiritually or mentally, if the the relationship is harmful. The very fact that it's harmful. It's going to work against you. It's the same reason with the kids in the school. We want to talk about public school. It's a harmful atmosphere, okay? And that's why, uh, especially here in Chicago, that's why it's been uh, uh, rough on kids to get the proper education in public schools. That's not to say that some didn't get a good education, but for the majority part, the Chicago school system is a failure. You know, and it's simply because it's been the wrong environment, the wrong atmosphere for productivity to show forth, and that productivity to show forth in the kids, and that's not what's happening. Okay, so it has to be changed. In the same way, with in a relationship, in a marriage, you don't stay in a situation that is destructive to you, that is that is. Uh, out of harmony. If you can't put it in harmony, that's not to say you shouldn't put forth effort to make it right or to find out if there's something you can do better to make this thing work because you say, I love this person. Right. But if you get to that point and then you can't get the, the, the proper counseling doesn't work, you know, man, look, the Bible even tells you itself, ain't nothing worse than being in a house with a nagging woman. Mm-hmm. 
And that's that's not against you, sir. Watch yourself. Watch yourself, Bob. We had one on the phone now. I don't know. I doubt. I don't think she's a nagging one, but I'll let her speak for herself. <laughs> right. I'm not saying that. At, I'm not saying that at her. But uh, why should a, why should an individual work hard, come home, take care of their business, and try to have a family, and they can't do nothing right for this woman? That's a hell of a place. And if you ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't been there, you may say the Lord going to make everything okay. I already disagree with that. Mm, okay. Okay. But I, I want you to stay there. The devil mentions that there is no such thing as failed prayer. If this is true, then why do so? Why does it appear that so many prayers go unanswered or fail? Now, Are you still with me? That again, Sure. The devil yeah, mentions sure. that there. Yep. The devil mentions that there is no such thing as failed prayer. If this is true, then why does it appear that so many prayers go unanswered or fail? Well, the answer to that is is is, is the same thing with uh, Napoleon Hill is talking about a hypnotic rhythm, the law of compensation. One thing is coming out of your mouth, and your whole life is saying another thing. And therefore, what you're praying for, you cannot get because there's no unity in action and word. They have to be in harmony. If they're not in harmony, you're going to uh, 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 get, okay, the confusion that you're putting out there. You're saying you want one thing, but you're doing another thing. So therefore, it's nothing but chaos and confusion, and that's what you're going to get as an answer to your prayer. So the prayer is answered, but not in the sense that you say, oh, I need a million dollars, God, give me a million dollars. Not that way, no. You live in a poverty strip, you got a poverty man, and you're asking for a million dollars. It won't work. I follow. I follow. Interesting, interesting. Solana, do you want to weigh in on that one? Um, sure. You know, Akbar uh, made a valid uh, point. I mean, first of all, um, it's funny, you know, why do the majority of prayers fail? They don't. All prayers bring forth that for which one prays. You know, so if when you pray, you know, uh, you have to pray with purpose, and that's one thing I do remember uh, uh, when I was uh, attending uh, Bishop uh, Odell McFarland's church uh, was the fact that, he always said when you pray, you have to, you know, you just can't go in all willy-nilly, you know, but you have to have a purpose, you know. Um, it, it, you have to know what you are praying for. You know, it can't, it, like like you said, you know, you're, you're, you're in poverty, but you say you want, you know, a million dollars. I'm not saying that that can't happen, but you may pray for, okay, God, you know, I'm praying that maybe I go to school and, and you set for certain goals and you pray that, you know, I can be put in a position where I can learn, earn, and be uh, uh, be able to handle and manage that kind of money when the time is right, but I need to pray to be put in that position. You know, you have to have a plan. You know, people, you know, what is it, what's the saying? You know, people uh, fail because of lack of planning. You know, so when you plan something, that means you have a purpose in mind. You have a goal and an end. There's a beginning and an end. So your beginning, you set the right goals. When you go in, you have to have faith to know that, okay, these are the steps that I'm going to take, 
and faith without works is dead. So, therefore, I'm going to take these steps, and I pray for strength because why I'm equipped and I have the power to make things happen. So, therefore, my faith can move mountains. But in order for me to do that, I have to be the one willing to pull forth the work and make it happen. And that's why a lot of people's prayers fail is because, they, you know, they, they, you know, they, pray, for, uh, they pray for things, but there's no action behind it. So, therefore, I remember um, a long time ago people, and, and Meeks brought this out, he says people were praying that they censor certain things on the radio station, you know. And, and so how can you, you know, pray for, for the radio to censor certain things if you're not taking the necessary steps, you know, to uh, maybe ticket, to write letters, to get people involved in March, you know, Things do change when you get involved, but you can't just say, okay, I pray that, you know, it's going to happen, and you don't do anything about it, you know. So, so that's why uh, pr- prayers don't fail. You can put up whatever you want. It's just that the end result varies based on a person who's praying. Interesting, interesting. Akbar, I want to bring you back here on a conversation here. On page 167, it states that man has not fully awakened to the realization of his potential power. Man still regards himself as something resembling the worms of the dust, when in reality he has more power than all other living things. What potential power have we not fully awakened to? And how is it possible that after years of evolutionary development and growth, we still regard ourselves as the worms of the dust? Akbar. Uh, well, basically, there's no mystery to the power that we have as human beings. From uh, if if you want to use scripture from the very beginning, it tells us what powers we were given. Okay, but along with power, and that's pretty much any kind of power if you really recognize, there comes responsibility. And guess what? Ninety-eight percent of the people are ducking responsibility. Okay, so they would rather want to feel like the victim or feel helpless in situations just to duck responsibility because the moment they realize that they're the ones responsible for making things happen in their life the way that they want them to happen, then uh, 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 that requires an exercise of that responsibility, and people don't want that. So people cop out many different ways. Some people cop out using drugs. Some people cop out just dancing their life away. Some people cop out going to church day in and day out. You understand? But there's no change in their life. There's many different ways that people remain dust. When all the time, everything that uh, 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 the Old Testament and the New Testament speaks about is the power that you have within yourself. See, because I and my father are one, and my father is not powerless. He's omnipotent. Hmm. And how can I go, how can I be of a spiritual mind and, and, and not know this? It's not that I haven't heard it before. It's just that I refuse to accept responsibility for this information because now I have to change, and I'm not willing to change. Have mercy on me. I'm the dust of the earth. 
follow. I follow. It is stated, Solanda, by the devil, that sex is one of the greatest forces which motivates human beings. And because of this fact, it is one of the most dangerous forces as well. The devil says, and if one spends one half of the time he spends in the pursuit of sex on his occupation, one will never know poverty. What a huge claim to make. Um, what's your take about uncontrolled sex leading to drifting and poverty? <laughs> um, once again, it goes over uh, the power to control, you know, and so, or as, I'm sorry, I'll use the proper term, mastering, um, controlling your emotions. Um, I mean, you know, whether you're rich or poor, people get, people use sex as a weapon. You know, and so um, it, from the beginning of time, you know, you've had, unfortunately, uh, people give in to sex. Uh, look at uh, David, for example. Um, you know, he uh, lusted, what was that? Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I haven't read my Old Testament in quite some time, but uh, King David uh, had uh, her husband killed because he lusted after her, you know. And, and so um, this this type of behavior has been going on, uh, from the beginning of time, you know, sex is very powerful. You know, it's uh, a powerful emotion, you know, and, and so unfortunately people use it uh, as a weapon to control other people. You know, unfortunately this is it's so powerful. Sometimes this is why people tend to stay in unhealthy relationships, just to show you how powerful sex is. Um, you hear sometimes how people say that, you know, well, the sex was so good that, you know, I, I couldn't help myself, but I had to stay in this relationship. Well, they have not learned how to master their emotions. You know, people even in high uh, uh, political offices or even in high positions, um, you know, once again, you know, uh, people who want to move up the corporate ladder, you know, unfortunately a lot of those people use sex in order to get their way to the top. Why? Because it's a very powerful emotion, you know, and, and people are so overridden by this emotion because they don't, they, they have, they lack uh, control. They lack self-control. They have not harnessed the skill of, or, or mastered the skill of learning how to control or subdue, um, you know, that emotion. And, and that's mm -hmm. why if you look at, um, you know, page 190, you know, the question was, do I understand you to imply there is a relationship between sex and poverty? And he answers back and says, yes, but sex is not under definite control. If allowed to run its natural course, sex will lead, quickly lead one into the habit of drifting, you know. And so even when you look at, unfortunately, people who, um, uh, you know, abuse drugs, you know, and you watch the different movies and you see how, um, you know, people will do certain things just to get a fix, you know. So, I mean, it just shows you how powerful um, sex is, you know. And because people don't, uh, uh, don't know how to control their sex drive, you know, then, you know, they, they end up in these bad habits, you know, such as, uh, you know, uh, mixing drugs and alcohol, you know, into sex, you know, people abusing you know, because it's lack of control. And, and I, it's funny because I found uh, the, the question and answer series uh, on the emotion of sex very profound. Um, even, you know, when he talks about uh, overindulgence in sex as dangerous as the habit of taking narcotics or liquor, there is no difference. 
vocal mm. to hypnotic control through the habit of drifting. You know, so all these, with, pretty much just to sum it up, when you lack self-control, when you have not mastered your emotions, you will be on the path of being a drifter. That's I just follow. point uh, point simple. You know? I follow and that. that's why it's so important to know how powerful the tools that we have, we are equipped as human beings. We are very powerful. But because we have not tapped into our full potential to know who we are, we develop habits, we, 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 we uh, don't have self-control, we lack certain things, you know, because, and, and so it's our job um, to, to, you know, just going forward to find out how we can learn to, you know, curb certain appetites or master the control of our emotions so that we don't fall into the habit of being a drifter. I follow. I want you to stay right there. Um, Akbar, uh, we're moving right along, guys. We have roughly about uh, 13 minutes left in the conversation. Chapter 11, learning from adversity is what this particular um, chapter was entitled. Um, There were several great ideas, Akbar, um, that came from this particular chapter about learning from adversity. What idea resonated with you the most about this particular chapter? actually turned out to be one of my greatest chapters. That actually there is, as we were speaking earlier about, there is uh, uh, no failed prayer. That's the same thing with adversity. There, there is no failure, okay, and it, unless you accept that. In other words, it becomes a mental state of mind The uh, uh, because with purpose, see, this is, again, the main, uh, Napoleon Hill works hard to stress the fact that we must have definiteness of purpose, okay? And without that, okay, I can fall down and not get up, okay? And it happens every day. Now, if I walked out my front door and fell down on the snow, on the snow, in the snow, I'll, uh, I'll holler for help or do something to get up or get to the hospital and act, you know, I'll cry out. And, and physically uh, get my broken leg taken care of and so forth. But right. mentally and spiritually, people fall down and they do nothing. They live a total life of wilding in the mess that they fell in because they have no definiteness of purpose. If you got purpose, once you fall down emotionally, mentally, uh, 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 however, you're going to get up and move in the direction in which your purpose is. But without that, you have no direction, so you're going to lay there in that mud and say, why me? Pull me. You understand? You know, and and this is the difference. We have to have definiteness of purpose. And basically, we at that point, we will be able to see that every failure is an opportunity for growth. Every failure is 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 a blessing in disguise. Every failure is a stepping stone to me getting to where I I am trying to go. You know, there is no uh, uh, what should I say straight path to self development, self growth, or or rising to your highest. Uh, uh, potential. It's the failures and the adversities that builds the muscles 
for you to move forward strong and to be a strong person so that you can have the control necessary to ward off the temptations that may come your way. Without the failures and adversities, you won't gain the strength. You know, baby gains strength in his legs by crawling and standing up and falling down, standing up and falling down. Now, what would happen if I just stopped uh, uh, my my child from fall, uh, 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 falling down? Every time he got ready to fall down, I grabbed him. I'm going to stunt mm. his growth, you know. I'm gonna get. I'll get in the way of his development, and we see it around us all the time. Mothers and fathers refusing to let their children experience a little hardship, and guess what? Now they can't control them. You know, failure has its purpose in life. Adversities have their purpose. They're like lifting weights. The the, the weight gives you that resistance. And so when you move that resistance, you develop the muscles and tone your body so that you can be healthy and so forth. Same thing with, the, with, with adversity. That's what adversity do, do for man or woman mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It helps you to grow to be the person that you should be. I follow, I follow. Guys, we have roughly about eight minutes left in the conversation, so these last couple of questions, if we can uh, try to keep our responses as briefly as possible. I know it's, I know it's hard to do that because this is some heavy, heavy, heavy material. That's why I appreciate you guys for contributing your thoughts and opinion. And the, for those out there who's listening, certainly if you have not picked up a copy of his book, I uh, strongly suggest that you do so. Sandra, let me get you back in here on the conversation. What did you learn about environmental influences and had you consider environment and associations as determining factors in human destinies before you read this particular book? Definitely. Um, you know, pretty much before I even read this book, um, you know, I, I learned uh, uh, more about myself and my environment from reading this book. Um, it's unfortunate, though, but it, the truth is, is that we are affected by our environment, but our environment does not have to be the determining factor of, you know, of our future, depending on how, you you know, you're brought up. And I don't care if that's, you know, if you're brought up, you know, in poverty or if you're brought up, you know, in, in a uh, rich family. At the end of the day, the determining factor is what are you going to do with the, with your life? And because um, everybody has purpose, you know. So whether you were, uh, you know, brought up in poverty, you have purpose. Whether you were brought up, you know, and you, you know, with a sewer spoon in your mouth, you you still have purpose, um, but one thing that I did like uh, like about uh, what he said was that you know environment consists of all the mental, spiritual, and physical forces which affect and influence human beings. You know, so everything that's in our environment is is you know is all connected. You know, and we're connected to our environment. You know, um, it's just that depending on um, uh, pretty much certain habits or, you know, the hypnotic rhythms, um, you know, those things uh, can either uh, be made p uh, permanent in your life or you have to decide if you want to change because, you know, that, that's the one thing that they said in a book that something that is not constant. You know, time goes on, but one thing that always, that isn't constant is change. 
you know, so stop you right there, Solana. I'm about to stop you right there, Solana. I know you're on, you're on the roll there. You're on the roll, and I appreciate it. I'm getting all of it. I'm gonna have to stop you right there. We're moving right along here. Akbar, let me bring you back in here. What is time? Um, what is time? And based on your reading, what role does time play in outwitting the devil? As quickly as you can. Well, I don't know how quickly that can be, but basically, <laughs> time in itself. Uh, uh, well, she was, she was, uh, you know, you could have let her finish her point because she was on point with what she was saying. And see, time brings about the necessary change. The whole universe is serving my purpose, your purpose. It is serving the purpose that the Creator uh, created it for. So there are no mistakes, regardless of how things look, okay? It's serving my purpose, and it's taking me where I should be. And in time, we all want to get where the Creator intended us to be. And if you miss it this lifetime, maybe you get another lifetime to come back and get it right. You you causing me to stretch there, Akbar. You causing me to stretch in my thinking. I I hear you though. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you uh, I'm gonna give you this one here. The devil states that the neck that next to drifting, the most dangerous human trait is the lack of caution. Uh, why is this the case? Um, because you know it it goes back to uh, not uh, exercising you know um, thinking thought. You know, um, because, if you know, when you're cautious, certain things are going to trigger. You're going to think. You're going to analyze things. You know, so unfortunately because even, especially with young kids, you know, they pretty much just jump head, you know, head first, you know. And so um, unfortunately, though, because of the lack of caution, um, this is a drifter's type of uh, behavior, you know, and so um, it's just like if you, uh, like the good example uh, he gave was about, you know, your friends. You know, if you're not uh, pretty much looking at your circle and the friends that you keep, unfortunately, you know, certain, you know, you may end up uh, partaking in certain habits um, or developing, uh, you know, certain behaviors. You know, so therefore you have to make sure that um, you are uh, paying attention to your surroundings um, you know, you have to make sure that uh, you are analyzing fairly, uh, making plans, um, because, you know, unfortunately, if, if the lack of caution can end up leading you to having to make some sacrifices, you know. And, um, and, and unfortunately, I think we all have actually um, been victim of the lack of caution, you know, because, once again, uh, a lot of times we go off our emotion, you know, and that's why you have to make sure that, you know, you're a thinker, as Akbar says, you know, constantly. You're constantly thinking because at any given moment when you decide that you don't want to think or properly analyze or properly plan, you can end up leading into drifting, you know, and, and that's pretty much what uh, the principle of lack of caution, you know, can lead you because it, it, is a, it's a, it's, it is the most dangerous human trait. When you're not paying attention, anything can happen. I follow, I follow. Akbar, I'm going to give you the final word on this. What is the one thing that you would take away from this book? I know there's many things, but what is the one thing you'll try your best not to ne- uh, to never forget about Napoleon Hill's Outwitting the Devil, The Secrets to Freedom and Success? That there is nothing to fear, 
that that I am responsible. You know, uh, basically, uh, uh, not fearing. You know, that's that's the crack that allows all the other garbage to come in to mess up my life. Any type of fear, okay, and and and, and uh, uh, to know that I have purpose. And whether I am, whether I recognize what my purpose is at this moment or not, knowing that I do have purpose, eventually it will be uh, 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 brought to my attention. The universe is working for me, not against me. See, so it's going to bring into my experience everything that I need in order to grow to be the person that I am intended to be. It's just like a flower. A flower don't have to go out looking and putting all the, uh, the elements together. They're already there. And whatever that flower needs, it will draw into itself because well, of what it is. Well, I appreciate you for sharing that, Akbar. I appreciate the both of you for joining the conversation. Shalanda, it's been a very thought-provoking conversation. Both of you guys had a great deal to share with us, so I certainly appreciate that. And I appreciate all of you folks out there for listening to this discussion and for joining us for our quarterly book discussion of Napoleon Hills, Outwitting the Devil, The Secrets to Freedom and Success. I want to invite you to join us back here next week at 530 www.m-tas.org and remember I am responsible, you are responsible, join the movement MTAS, talk to you later, take care bye bye Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.